to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Hello there, it's Tuesday, December 14th, we call this Week 15, if you're in redraft of Fantasy Playoffs, but for DFS, we call it the poo-poo platter of Fantasy Weeks. Betts, how are you, man? Well... Before looking at the slate, I was feeling really good about today, you know? I mean, the sun is shining here in Vermont. Fantasy playoffs are on the horizon. Christmas is just over a week away. I mean, we're living life. I log in, I look at this slate, and I just immediately wanted to close my computer. I mean, it's just so gross. Um, I'm going to warn everyone right now, like, this is a terrible slate for cash. It looks like on the surface. So it feels like a good week to just embrace that GPP life. I I think this is going to be a really tricky slate to to digest. You know, just with... A slate will go into the games. We're going to talk about the state of the main slate, our salary standouts, like we normally do. But I think you have to prepare yourself, prepare your body this week for something that's just different. Like it's it's different, I think, than any slate we've seen this year. We've had some gross game totals. We've had like weeks where it's like, okay, there's one that hits 50. We have not seen any slate like this uh, this year. I mean, we also have two Saturday games this week. So we're starting this kind of, end of year turn towards the playoffs and week 15 is kind of this bump in the road that if you are a contrarian player, I just want to say, I think you will have a lot of fun with this week, but for cash, I already feel a little bit nervous, but let's talk about our cash this past week. I took a bath, man. And I took a bath in the sense of, I took a stance against the field that for the first three quarters, you know, for most of the early morning, like I was sitting pretty, I took a stance where I played Alvin Kamara and I played Cam Newton. So instead of playing Taysom like most of the field, what was that, like 50, 60% of the field in cash? Like, I was looking great. Taysom had four points. Kamara was trucking towards that 100-yard bonus. Cam had a rushing score. I mean, it was looking good. And uh, from there, it's just, it was it was bad. What's wrong with Carolina? What is this, what is this quarterback, like, carousel? What is happening <laughs> to the Panthers? I mean, there's negative vibes all over that team. And yeah, swapping in and out PJ Walker, back to Cam Newton, back to PJ Walker, back to Cam Newton. I was so confused. I was like, man, did Cam get hurt? Like, if so, you know, it's curtains if you played him. And then all of a sudden he's back in. So yeah, it was just a weird situation. And I think moving forward, we now know officially, like you cannot trust Cam Newton as a reliable option in fantasy, especially for DFS. Um, but yeah, the, the Taysom call, you know, I kind of talked about it on the, on the pod, like, if we knew he was 100% healthy, I would have played him 10 times out of 10 over Cam. The finger issue was a concern. He barely even threw the football. And if you saw the game, he had like a couple of ball security issues. So that definitely is a factor. But when you can run just that much, I mean, he can break the slate. And really, he didn't get there until that last garbage time touchdown. So if you did fade him in a tournament, it probably was a really strong process type of play. You kind of just got unlucky with him getting, what, 26, 27 DK points or something like that with that long 40-yard touchdown run. Yeah, I, f- I felt that because early on I made that stance because I liked Kamara, and Kamara ended up being the RB2 on the slate. Like, he was kind of a big deal if you played him over Eckler. So uh, Kamara was a strong play. It's just when Taysom hit that touchdown, I text you, I'm like, dude, I am toast because I paid up for Tyreek. And then I think everybody felt the weight of Antonio Gibson chalk fail. I mean, 60, 70% in cash. So that was a major failure. And if you didn't play somebody like Hunter Renfro, who I think on here you said he's the best wide receiver alive, 
you were probably toast. I mean, check the tape, dude. <laughs> you see, you see these rats. This guy creates separation. He makes layup throws for Derek Carr. Um, he was like the only chalk wide receiver that actually hit. Which is, I mean, you guys might be surprised. I'm not surprised. Come on, I've been here since day one. Uh, I will say something that did feel strong is I I went back and forth with you. My favorite play on the slate was Jamar Chase, and I went so far to say like, ah, oh, dude, I really want to play him in cash. And obviously he's done nothing over the last five weeks that I was like, I don't know if I can trust him enough in cash, but in GPPs, he helped me at least salvage an otherwise tough weekend that I just jammed him in every single lineup. So I had a couple of tournaments where um, I cashed enough to be able to make up for my losses, including, you know, I did a Josh Allen double stack with Leonard Fournette. And that one just took me a long way because you got a 300 yard game from Allen. You got a hundred yard rushing and you got overtime. It's basically everything you could ever want in DFS. So if you played that, um, totally, totally fine, totally awesome. Uh, but any other last thoughts about last week's slate? One interesting thing, too, to just mention with that game is it's, it's sort of shocking. Like, you look at those two teams, and you don't need anyone that's, like, really sophisticated in football knowledge to know, like, oh, those offenses are awesome. They interact really well together. That should be a really great game stack. It was kind of underplayed if you looked across the roster percentages for basically everyone not named uh, Chris Goblin. You know, Fournette was a solid play. He wasn't as popular as I think he should have been. Same with Mike Evans, you know, Steph Diggs, all those guys. And I think part of it is like if you have strong conviction on a game, even if the price seems prohibitive to get there, just think no one else is going to do that because they're thinking the same thing you are. And I think that was the key to the slate. You had to have Josh Allen. You had to have Leonard Fournette. You had to have a couple pieces there. And really, that was the one that that um, paid off a big time. So I regret not playing it a lot more. I played a couple of those lineups and it worked out. But yeah, that was one thing I think hindsight obviously is 2020. But hindsight process wise, like that game just stuck out like a sore thumb that you had to have that game. And I regret not playing it more. This part of the year for fans football is super fun because playoffs have started. But for DFS, we keep going all the way through the playoffs. This also is when you find out if you advanced in best ball. Betts and I, we call it the summer of best ball, where we talk about that mostly for all of June and July. We definitely a little bit of May. And so you get to find out if some of those uh, some of those things advanced. And uh, we play on underdog, and we'll kind of get to share some of that info, some of the advancement rates, some of the win rates as the season kind of progresses. Because with best ball, you probably haven't thought about it. Maybe you've checked it every once in a while. Betts and I were... Our big dog team was what, like 40 points short. And I mean, we were just dying at the very end with Derrick Henry out. Uh, Kyler was hurt for a while. Darren Waller's out. Uh, Adam Thielen's out. Like our whole team is just sputtered to the end, but uh, we just couldn't withstand these injuries. We didn't get to advance, but dude, that was a fun team. We tried, you know, the effort was there, but uh, yeah, we got unlucky. It felt like if you ever run like a race or something, you know, in the last lap, you just... You're out of gas. You should have had that extra like protein bar or something. We just didn't have enough juice to get there. Um, and we fell on our face. But yeah, it was a fun season. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. For sure. Uh, if you want to get our picks, you can go to DFSPass.com. Use the promo code DFSPOD. I have a screenshot in front of me right here from a listener who messaged me. And I love seeing this. On FanDuel, it says their entry fees for the week, $53. Okay, so for some of you, that's like, whoa, they're barely playing at all but their winnings is over $5,000. So it's a pretty good ROI. And I think it's just great to see that people are chugging along and even people that haven't had 
tons of success in the past, you can break through. So if you want those picks, uh, you can go to DFSPass.com. You could be a big winner too. You can be a big boy or a big girl and uh, have some more cash in your pocket for the holidays. But yeah, go to DFSPass.com. Use the promo code DFSPOD. But let's talk about this gross main slate. State of the main slate. So we get our lines at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook lines is where we play. Sportsbook.DraftKings.com. And I want to check in with a few wagers as we're getting closer to the end. I started color coding my ledger. Betts and I have a little ledger of ones that we made before the season. And I've kind of started saying, okay, well, this one's toast. This one's very unlikely. This is 50-50. This one's a lock. So for instance, I have Dak for comeback player of the year. That feels like a lock. He's the heavy favorite on DraftKings. If he doesn't get hurt, he wins it, right? Based off the odds. Yeah, I think so. I mean truthfully i don't think he's played that great but you know this is how that that award works and uh and yeah i think he's like minus a thousand or something right now so if he doesn't get hurt it's his and another one that i feel super great about felt terrible after the first three weeks of the season is the panthers under seven and a half wins they have to win three out of four to win that so thanks to my falcons i'm wearing i'm wearing my todd Gurley falcons jersey right now thanks to my falcons uh nine dollar jersey Guys, I got this for $9 on the NFL shop. I know he doesn't play in the <laughs> NFL, but he's a legend here in Georgia. And hey, I'll take an authentic Falcons jersey for 9 bucks. But yeah, uh, and then one that's gone down. Uh, I had some some hopes. I had some dreams uh, for the Titans, but uh, it looks like they're going to get over the hump and get 10 wins. So I put that one to bed. Yep, I'm with you on that one. She's gone, though. Uh, however, one that is up that I'm kind of excited about the Browns seem to be hopefully turning the corner, I think, maybe, question mark, um, to win the AFC North. That was one that I was pretty high on. I also have them uh, to make the playoffs. I have them as well to, it's a long shot bet, to win the AFC to advance to the Super Bowl. Clearly, a lot has to go right for that to hit, but I'm just happy that this is even in the conversation because they're a team I was high on early in the year. They've really been trending in the wrong direction to the middle part of the season, but with this win over the Ravens, huge win. Now they're six-point favorites on Saturday against the Raiders, so hopefully they pull that one out. And then we have this Lamar situation going on, and man, the Ravens, like it feels like they're overperforming. Like Harbaugh's done just an awesome job with that team because of how many injuries they have. So if they can't hold on, like our, our big dog team, if they can't hold on and they fall apart at the end, uh, that could really open up things for the Browns. That division is wild because at different points of the year, you thought it was going to be the Bengals, You thought it was going to be the Ravens for sure. So it's just been all over the map. And really, all those teams are still in the hunt. So uh, anything could happen to AFC North. This week, I was going to tell Betts to list off all of the games on the main slate that are over 50. But there are none. Yes, people. uh, If you are looking for points this week, this might not be the week in DFS. We have no games over 50 plus. And two, the two highest games right now, are at 47 and a half. So we are just not anywhere close to finding games where we can just fully stack. So tell me the teams with the highest implied total for week 15, because that's kind of where we have to start. Yeah, there's four that are at 27 or more. Leading the pack, it is the Cardinals against the Lions. They are at 30.8. Dallas and San Francisco are both at 27 and a half. Dallas taking on the Giants. San Fran taking on our Falcons. One more win, baby. One more. 
Uh, and then Buffalo at 27, taking on Carolina. So how do we approach a slate like this? Because normally it's business as usual. Let's talk about the games we want that are over 50. We'll talk about how we can stack them. You know, we can look at the team implied totals and usually we'll find three that are above like 29, 30, 31 points. We don't have any of that this week. So how do we approach this differently? Because I mean, the, the teams that we like, the teams that we usually stack, the Chargers, the, the Chiefs, you know, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, all of those teams are off the slate. Jonathan Taylor's off the slate. So there's not a lot of big names. So how would we approach this differently? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the totals we just talked about, we didn't even mention the spreads, right? Like they're all huge favorites. Dallas favored by 10. The Cardinals favored by 14 against Detroit. Um, the the 49ers favored by eight and a half against the Falcons. So even if you wanted to be like, okay, those are the highest totals, I'll just game stack, you might be falling into a trap sometimes with those situations, unless the games do stay close. But if things go as Vegas implies they will, I feel like you know most weeks you preach like, let's play correlation, let's bring it back with someone on the other team. This might be one of those slates where you don't really necessarily have to force that. If it makes sense, do it. But if not, don't force it. And in general... With these low totals, we can expect the slate as a whole to be low scoring. And really, that opens up a lot of volatility in terms of playing the quote-unquote best plays. Like you said, there's no Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Austin Eckler. I mean, these stud running backs that we love are not on the slate. So it's just a week that I think you embrace you know, that GPP life, like I said, get different, and expect the slate to go a little sideways. I mean, that's that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Yes, I wrote down one of the keys, I think, for GPPs is making sure that you have wide receivers in your flex because they're so volatile. You're hoping for three to four receivers in your lineup that hit that 100-yard bonus, and that's just going to just set you apart. It's much easier to hit the 100-yard receiving bonus than the 100-yard rushing, and we'll mention the running backs in a second, but like, it's gross. There's no running back priced over 8000 on DraftKings this week, and I don't know if any are a great bet to hit 30 points. Like I, I, that's what you want in a running back that just says they have a ceiling that they can get, you know, 25, 30 points. And I'm going to put my money on the receivers this week. I wouldn't say that their matchups are the best or the game environments are the best, but I think that it's more likely that we find receivers that just have big games. So don't, don't be afraid to move away from what is the consensus best plays because it will condense this week. With, uh, with fewer and lower game totals. The game that you and I have on here as the most popular to stack is Seattle and Los Angeles, the Rams. Why do you think that one's going to be the most popular? Well, to start, it is one of those ones that has, I don't even want to say the highest. I mean, technically it is the highest. It's not that high, but the 47 and a half total uh, is one of just two games that are sitting right there. So it already checks that box, so to speak, when you kind of look at games that have a chance to get there. And then, you know, it's just so easy to look at the the pieces on the Rams side and you know who you want to play, right? I mean, Stafford's in a great spot. Cooper Cup, there's nothing to say. He's amazing. Sonny Michelle's price is way too low for the role he's gotten with Daryl Henderson out. So it's very obvious, like, how to play it. And then on Seattle's side, again, it could not be more clear. You have three options. You have the running back now with Rashad Penny, if you want to go that route. You've got DK Metcalf and you've got Tyler Lockett. And then outside of that, you're sort of just crossing names off the list. So it's it's just easy to see a path where like it, it makes people feel good when they're sitting in the lineup to click those names. So I think it's really popular. We're not saying it's the game that you should play, but it will be really popular um, with those teams that it's very clear who to play. The Rams also are a team that 
regardless of situation, they're going to be a pace up squad. Like they were number one in neutral pace. And when I write the article tomorrow, I can guarantee that this will be a game that you can stack in a couple different ways. You know that Lockett's going to be somebody that everybody wants to jump in on because of the deep bombs. Metcalf is severely underpriced. I know he hasn't done anything, but way too cheap. So yeah, there's just enough options there and they're not overpriced other than cup like where you i mean you could fit them in your lineup so that's gonna be the most popular give me a game that you think will be sneaky yeah the name uh the the game i put down rather green bay in baltimore so there's a lot going on here green bay is favored by seven it's a low total it's 42 and a half points but we have seen the Ravens just give up a ton to opposing offenses. You know, like their secondary, it is insane the amount of injuries that they have. And um, this past weekend, one of their top corners that was left was a healthy scratch, which I don't really know why that was, but we've just seen opposing offenses really have success. The Packers are rolling right now. You can see them having success. And then, so you look at that situation and it's like, you know, the Ravens, they're this team that we all think about them wanting to be really run heavy, um, but they might not be able to. And in this season, they've been less run heavy than they have in the last two years. So I think that there's options on the other side, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, those types of names, Rashad Bateman, that I think will probably fly a little bit under the radar this week. And if that game hits the over and Green Bay imposes their will and does what they want, the Ravens are going to have to throw to keep up. I'm going to say the Falcons at 49ers, Homer stuff aside, uh, 49ers off, offense has been clicking. And then the weird thing about the Falcons is they've actually been effectively running the ball recently, even the last two weeks against the Buccaneers and the Panthers. The offense has shown a little bit of life. There's some history there, Kyle Shanahan being the former offensive coordinator. So there's just a lot to like in the game. George Kittle is absolutely on fire. And the Falcons are, weirdly enough, 6-2 and two away from Atlanta this year. They haven't won a game yet at home, but they are 6-2 and two away. So maybe there's some competitive stuff. It's at 45.5, which sounds stupid low. But uh, just looking at our totals, it's the um, third highest on the slate. <laughs> Russell Gage season? Is that what you're saying? I just, I it guys, it's super weird to look at a slate <laughs> and be excited about a game that's at 45 and be like, hey, by the way, this one could shoot out. It's uh, it's just a different week. But that one's sneaky. There's some pieces that we obviously like. We'll have to see about Elijah Mitchell because that could be a really interesting play at home as an eight and a half point favorite. Which game are you saying I don't want anything to do with it? Yeah, the game I put down here, it's Denver and Cincinnati. Really on Denver, like there's no question about what they want to do with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and that's hashtag establish a living crap out of the run. And then you look at Cincy, and I know you put the stat out there, like when the Bengals let Joe Burrow throw, what is it, 33 plus times in a game? They're like they've won one game this year or something like that. Um, so their success is going on the ground game with Joe Mixon. That leads to just, in my opinion, a really uh, less enticing DFS game environment to stack because if those both those teams are running the football you know the, the clock's going to tick and it's got a low total and those teams play slow so yeah right now not looking there I think maybe a look at little mini correlation is fine on this slate because it is so bad <laughs> that if you wanted to do like a Melvin or Javante and Jamar Chase or something like that it is fine but yeah I'm not going to go full game stack by any means it's, it's basically saying, what do these teams prefer to do? It's not saying that, you know, Burrow, because Burrow threw this much, they're bad. What Zach Taylor wants to do is to limit Burrow's total passing attempts and rely more on the efficiency. And you've seen that, right, with Chase and these long bombs and Higgins recently. That's what they would prefer to do. And so if they get a hold 
of the game. I could see Joe Mixon kind of bouncing back and having a good game. Denver's not great at stopping the run. And then the opposite side, it's the same thing you were mentioning. Like, what does Denver want to do? Well, they rushed the ball 40 plus times this past week against the Lions and just cruised to a victory. So that's what they would prefer. I'm just going to say Houston and Jacksonville, I'm just going to X them out of my player pool. Other than one Jaguar we will talk about, not named Marvin Jones, sadly. Uh, we, we're just not going to talk about those teams. They, but I dude, don't want to waste any more Ceiling any game from Marv last week. <laughs> and by ceiling <laughs> game, you mean... What do you go six for seventy two or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Kyle's. This is this is where Kyle was mentally on Sunday after getting wrecked in cash. He texted me and said, uh, "I believe directly it was DFS. Kyle is done. I will talk to you tomorrow." And like three or four minutes went by, and I got another text from you, and it just said, "But let's not forget, Marv Jones put up thirteen PPR points this week." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I love Marvin. Jo- I need to get a Marvin Jones jersey. I don't really want a Jaguars one. Um, I mean, Mar- Marv Jones and the Lions was, was pretty fun. All right, two more questions before we talk about salary standouts. Which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? Yeah, put down the Rams here, 26.8, taking on Seattle. Not too much analysis to say here. The Rams are one of the best offenses in football, and Seattle is one of the worst on defense. All right, I'm going to say Pittsburgh. I know that might surprise some people. They are two-point dogs. I checked this line. Two-point dogs at home against Tennessee. And their team implied total is only 19.8. So I like their offense. I'm not crazy about the Titans. So I think that you could have some value in the Steelers this week. We love Najee. We'll talk about him in a second. But he's one of the better running backs. And Big Ben's actually been good for fantasy also recently. Um, not recommending him right now. But I'm just not bullish on the Titans this week on the road as two-point favorites. Uh, If I had to take that game right now, I would take Pittsburgh in the points. Uh, Which team are you confident hits the under? I threw out Carolina. Just bad vibes, man. 16 and a half. I know it's a low uh, implied total, but with this quarterback carousel and firing their offensive coordinator like a week or two ago during the bye week, um, it's just, it's, it's weird. Things are not good. And now they're taking on Buffalo, who we know has been not as great recently, on defense, but they've been solid all season. And when you think about how they match up with Carolina, I just can see a situation where Carolina crumbles uh, against Buffalo. I really don't want anything to do with Washington. And it's not just because Antonio Gibson failed massively, but with Terry McLaurin likely out, who are they going to throw to Adam Humphreys? It's, it's pretty rough. Don't you dare. And don't you dare. We are not doing this again. So, <laughs> so I don't mind playing some Eagles in that game. But I don't really feel the need uh, to fully game stack. RSJ didn't even see the full amount of snaps. John Bates was actually the leader. So you can't even get cheap there. I mean, are you going to go to Curtis Samuel? JD McKissick is going to be back. I could totally see that just being a gross game right now. And then I have to ask you about your Jaguars, man. Uh, Every week we get on the show and you go, I promise I'm going to bet the under of their team implied total. And you didn't last week. So this week... They are technically three-point home favorites against the Texans. It was free money last week, and I just forgot. Like I don't know what happens. <laughs> I log off the show, take the dog for a walk, come back in, start doing some work on an article or something, and then just forget. But I have a reminder in my phone <laughs> to tell me to bet the under this week, which means they're probably going to go over. But yeah, I mean, they're sitting at 21.8. I know it's Houston, but come on. 22 points, you think they can do it? I, if there's ever a week to do it, it's at home against the Texans. All right, I'm, let's take the I, over. I, 
No, no. <laughs> don't, don't take got, the over. <laughs> you're supposed to just keep betting the under, and then you'll you'll feel totally fine. All right, let's talk about these salaries. Salary standouts. So as of Tuesday, these are the salaries on both sites that stand out to us that we would say, hey, put them in your pool. Uh, we're not telling you to lock them in on our Friday show. We will give you our locked-in cash picks. But who stands out to me at quarterback on DraftKings right from the get-go? Dak Prescott went down $200. He's averaging 42 pass attempts per game over the last month. Like I, I like that we're getting volume, Dak. Remember at the beginning of the year, we're like not getting that. We saw in that first game against Tampa Bay. Then they just wanted to establish it over and over again. So if we're getting volume from Dak on the road against the Giants, and there's Ezekiel it's still banged up, Tony Pollard's still banged up. Uh, hopefully they don't give Corey Clement a ton of work. It's just, it's through Dak. So right now at 6.5, he's my favorite cash game quarterback. Yeah, I think I'm with you. That name definitely stuck out to me. If you did want to spend up a little bit, Kyler sitting there at 7.9, taking on the Lions. They've got the highest implied total on the slate. Um, we do need to monitor a couple injuries after Monday night's game that happened like literally at the very end. Uh, it looked like DeAndre Hopkins like slammed his helmet off the turf. I don't know that we have news of him having a concussion, but something to monitor. He wasn't out for the last couple of plays. And then James Conner was like limping off the field on the last thing. So, I mean, if he doesn't have a couple of weapons, certainly that might, you know, downgrade his outlook. But still, it's the Lions and they've got a huge implied total. So if you wanted to spend up, Kyler is interesting. Right next to Dak and pricing too, I'll throw out. Jalen Hurts taking on Washington coming out of the bye week. 6.6K if we know the ankle is fully healthy. We've seen what he can do. And there were games early in the year where we were playing him at you know 7, 7.1, 7.2. So it feels like a little bit of a value this week. If you want a safe floor, Tua is 5.7 against the Jets at home. They're heavy favorites as well. So if you just wanted to lean into a team implied total, the Dolphins are a great spot. And we'll talk about him in a second, but Devontae Parker is way too cheap this week. I just don't know if Tua has quite the ceiling that I want. Like I want to, I want a cash game quarterback that I can go. Okay, I can certainly get 15 points. 20 feels very likely, but I I could see 25 plus points. And with Tua, it's really hard to envision those kind of games. So I mention him because he's cheap and because of the matchup. And then on Fanduel, just need to throw out there, Kyler is way too cheap as well at 8.8. Josh Allen's also a great play at 8.7. Although I worry a little bit about uh, his rushing upside with his injury. Okay, running back's a big conversation this week because there are there's nobody priced up at all on either site. Like we don't have to find the Jonathan Taylors or in the past CMC we're paying over nine K for. We're not getting any of that. In fact, in our early projections, we don't have any running back that's projected over twenty points. Like every week, usually we'll find three or four guys that can safely go in there. So on a slate where it's like a bunch of dudes, a bunch of like, okay, well, I see 15 points. I see 16 points, but there's no Kamara. There's none of those players that can just rack it up in terms of medium projection. So how are you handling running backs this week? Yeah, I mean, the the real, there's so much to unpack with this because with the whole COVID situation going on, I don't know if you saw the news listeners yesterday, like there was what, like 20 some positive tests or something like that and there's a ton to happen over the next several days so right now we don't have clarity but i think there's going to be probably some value opening up somewhere on the board at running back so knowing that we don't have those huge names that can really break the slate i'm probably going to just be trying to find ways to jam in a couple of the stud wide receivers 
spend up there with Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and then just get safe, like, you know, three down backs that can catch the football, those sort of things in that five to six K range and probably not spend up on Najee personally. That's kind of my early lean on the slate, but obviously we can see how the, the slate goes as the week goes on. But I think, yeah, you want to spend up at wide receiver and just try to find somewhat of a safe play at running back. It's really bad this week. Yeah, the, the safe plays, we mentioned Sonny Michelle at 5.8. Drew Henderson's out. He seems like a lock for the work and against a Seattle defense that just gives it up on the ground. James Robinson had four carries this past week, so he's probably a name that people did not think I would throw out there. But the Jaguars, your Jaguars, are three-point home favorites, and he's only 5.4 against the Texans. He feels super risky for cash. Like, the floor is zero. Like, the floor is is so low that I don't think he can go there, but his name needs to be added in there because at home, like you can certainly see the Jaguars winning and let's say he gets two touchdowns on the ground. He's a great GPP play at 5.4 and then even lower. Michael Carter is set to return from IR and there's not really much competition in that backfield. So he's only 4.7. He's showing up as a points per dollar type of play. If you needed to jam him in, there might be some value that opens up that kind of renders this conversation worthless, but those are the running backs in that five, you know, 4K range. But who are some other dudes you like? Yeah, I mean, with Arizona, we just talked about it with Kyler. They've got that huge total. So if you knew James Conner was fully healthy, and again, as this recording, we don't have any news on what's going on there. So that's a huge name to monitor. But, you know, if let's say Conner missed, if you got Chase Edmonds back in the lineup at 5.1, he would pretty much be a cash game lock. And then same thing goes, you know, for Conner. If Edmonds still isn't ready, I know they said he was close last night. If for some reason he has a setback or he's not ready, James Conner would be a lock without uh, Edmonds in there. But both those guys are definitely interesting. And then really quickly, let's just talk through Miami. The backfield is so confusing right now. You have the gas man, Salvin Ahmed, and Philip Lindsay all currently on the COVID list. And I think Malcolm Brown has a chance to return this week from IR. He's been on for like a month or two with uh, the quad issue. So like we have no idea who the running back is going to be. But they're taking on the Jets, and you play your running backs against the Jets. So there could be value that opens up somewhere there. And I would be just thrilled if we get a 4K Duke Johnson week. I mean, this is this is taking me back like two years. I would be so excited to play Duke Johnson in cash at 4K, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I think this week with COVID, you, you are going to find out. Like We're going to have a different conversation on Friday because... We're going to have some players that are in protocols and we're going to get some backups that are super cheap. And so I think it's going to end up being who are the, you know, 4K running backs that we choose from? Who's the best play amongst those? And the reason why you'd want to go cheap is because there's a couple of high priced receivers we really like. Cooper Cup is 9K on both sides, which means on FanDuel, he is stupid cheap. And Devontae Adams is 8.9 on DraftKings. He's 8.5 on FanDuel. So on FanDuel, I might lock in Devontae Adams right now. Uh, because Baltimore secondary, you wrote on here, they're a corpse. They are uh, they're just a shadow of who they used to be. And yeah, Jimmy Smith was that name that you mentioned. Like I was shocked that he was scratched too, considering how beat up they've been and that he's been one of their best corners in the past. But uh, one of those two receivers will be in my cash game lineup, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. They feel like locks. And then going down from there, you can look at Stephon Diggs, uh, Debo Samuel. He looks like he's back. Uh, those are the the high price guys, but Cup and Adams are in my lineup. Yeah, no question about it. You've got to play one of those two if you're playing cash on this slate. And if we get enough value, like it, there 
could be a roster construction that works out at some point as the week goes on where you might be able to fit both. I mean, it would just depend on the value. But yeah, they're both rock solid. Do you have an early lean on who you prefer, Cup or Devontae? I think I lean Cup because it's just a better game environment as a whole. Uh, and uh, he's, I mean, and he's, he's been Cup. awesome. He's <laughs> Cooper Cup. And his floor is like eight for 90 is what it feels like. Yeah, he's just been unreal. Um, either way, they're a coin flip. And then in the middle range too, like we talked about the Dolphins quite a bit already on this show. Um, Jalen Waddle, he's just been so good. 6.6K, he's also sticking out there for me and i'll just throw out a couple of really gross names like if we get curtis samuel at elevated snaps with mclaurin out maybe at 3.7k not willing to lock that in early in the week yet but maybe and then just the grossest of gross punt plays if you absolutely had to do it laquan treadwell has been getting targets for jacksonville (laughs) against houston he's 3.3k and as you can tell by the tone of my voice i am not excited about that play at all this is not jamal agnew season by the way people just pointing it out, if you need value, he looks like a, a decent play early in the week. This slate is so bad. <laughs> it's just so bad. Oh, my gosh. I, okay, so I actually did my first quick run before the show of cash, and Treadwell was in it because he's so cheap and it fit my construction. So you're not crazy, Betts. Uh, a player that is, I think he might be a lock, and I know it's early in the week, but Devontae Parker at 4.3 is way too cheap for the amount of targets he's seen. I think Waddle or Parker are both just such strong plays against the Jets. And with us not really knowing about the running back situation, Parker's seeing eight targets a game. He's being targeted on 21% of his routes. He's awesome. When he's on the field, uh, Tua looks to him. And then Gabe Davis, it seems like Emmanuel Sanders is not going to play this week. Is that is that true? Yeah, he's going to miss this game with a knee sprain. We already had Sean McDermott say, I believe the dark quote was like, he's probably out this week. And if they're telling you that on a Monday... They're not going to play. Yeah, Gabe Davis is 3.7. He caught a touchdown. He's actually been more boom or bust than we realize. Like, even when he catches a touchdown, it hasn't been great. He has only one finish inside the top 24. So don't just jump all over Gabe Davis. But the price says that he's going to uh, be on the field. Uh, uh, or the price says that he's worth it because he's going to be on the field. He's going to see a good target share. So those are some of the cheaper names. I feels like the construction this week is going to be pay up at one of the positions punt one of the wide receivers and then figure out another kind of safe volume play that's in that 5k range at tight end this week. I personally think that punting isn't necessary on this slate because we don't have to pay up at other positions as much. Like if you're not paying up at quarterback, let's say you start someone like Dak or Hertz and at running back, like Najee's the most expensive at 7.8. You don't have to fully punt this week. You can find somebody in that middle range. And so Dallas Goddard's my favorite right now coming off the bye at 5.3 against the Washington team that doesn't guard the tight end at all. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Where are you? Yeah, it is really tricky. I mean, I feel like last year it was so easy to cherry pick names down in the 2.7 range that we were like, oh, play this guy in cash. He's so cheap. This year, it's been so tough to find that guy. So I'm with you. It's really tough to find a punt option. I'm not playing Brock Wright. No, No, thank you after last week. Um, but in that same game, you just talked about how Washington has struggled against the tight end. The Eagles are terrible against the tight end. So I know last week, maybe they were easing in RSJ off of the hip issue. It was his first game active in about a month. So it just depends on how they have those targets break down. And if we get Terry McLaurin out with a concussion, I could see myself going to potentially RSJ. Um, he's 3.4. So he's cheap, but yeah, I think 
it's so tricky because there's no real names that you're excited about down there. So if, if you were going to spend up early in the week, I know you said Goddard looks interesting, but if you did want to get up to like Mark Andrews, George Kittle, that range, do you think they're worth it at their price tag on DraftKings? Kittle 7.5, Mark Andrews 6.4. Kittle is just, I mean, that's so expensive. 7.5. That's what Kelsey was this past week. And, you know, I've loved these last couple of weeks with Kittle. It's been super fun to feel like I'm not, I wasn't insane for going overweight on best ball and investing my life savings in him. Uh, he killed the Falcons when they played him a couple years ago too. So uh, I get it. I get it. If you wanted to do Kittle, I just think that you're asking a lot. So who would you rather have at their price? George Kittle at 7.5 or Deontay Johnson at 7.5? It's so tough because Kittle has been amazing, but you know that there's these games in his range of outcomes where let's say Elijah Mitchell's back and Elijah Mitchell gets 25 touches and then Debo gets eight carries out of the backfield on top of that. So there's these games where he has like four targets, whereas with Deontay Johnson, I would find it extremely unlikely that he sees less than eight targets in a game. So I probably lean Deontay, but man, if that's if that's kind of where people are leaning, I think Kittle's going to stick out as an awesome GPP player this week. That's where I lean to is that I want to play him and I want to play him like if you wanted to stack that game just in a sneaky way. But that's the conversation. It's not just who's the best tight end. Well, wow, he can distance himself from everyone else. It's what else are you giving up? Are you giving up Najee Harris at 7.8? Are you giving up Joe Mixon at 7.2? Deontay Johnson, CD Lamb, like all those players are in that same price range. So you just have to figure out how you're going to construct your roster. At defense this week, I love the Bills. The Bills are at home against the Cam Newton, PJ Walker, whatever that offense thinks they are at 3.1. So I don't know why they're priced that low. Maybe it's because they just played the Bucks, But uh, at 3.1, that's that's way too cheap for them at home. So the Bills are my top play already. Yeah, and looking at the slate and pricing too on DK, you know, normally there's a couple that are down below 2.4. There's none this week. That's the cheapest. So on a really tough slate, that makes it even harder because you can't really save that much salary to get down to the basement, which we usually preach and cash is the best thing to do. So if you are spending up that mid range, I love the bills. I'm with you. I'm also going to throw out at 3.5 Philly taking on Washington. Taylor Heineke is banged up dealing with a quad and elbow issue. Terry McLaurin dealing with a concussion. If he's out banged up quarterback, no real playmakers. And then you also have to throw out, they're going to be starting a fourth string center this week against a really good Philly defensive line. I need to mention the Jaguars. I know we've mentioned them a couple of times, but if you want to drop below the 3K price range, they're a solid play if you wanted to look that way. And then um, on FanDuel, they're 3.6. So they're showing up as another you know cheaper play that you could certainly do. The Rams are 4.2. So they're kind of underpriced relative to what they are on DraftKings if you want to play them on FanDuel. Um, but yeah, FanDuel does a pretty good job of pricing their defenses. Like, I mean, are you going to pay 5K for the Dolphins? It just feels like the Cardinals 4.8. Like you just can't really go there. But uh, Jaguars are, if there is a punt play this week, they are my favorite one against Davis Mills, who's honestly been okay. Like he's, he's looked like, okay, you could maybe stay in the league, um, but he's only been good at home. Dude, we just right, heard them say wanna... they might uh, stick with him through 2022. So. Davis Mills and Dynasty, you heard it here first. <laughs> why are they running a NFL franchise? Like, why? Why? What are they doing? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I have no answers. I, 
like think about job security and obviously you and I are in a profession where it's like, I'm not like thinking there's going to be turnover like the way that an NFL organization, but like if you're working there right now, like what is there to look forward to for another year or two? Like you're going to be gone, right? You got to be terrified. Absolutely terrified. And if you're Urban Meyer, like pack your bags, dude. No one likes you. Rough, rough, rough times. It's just weird that like, their players don't like him. It seems like their fan base doesn't like him. And then just the collective feel for everybody on social media is we don't like this guy. And Dude, did you did you see the handshake between he and Mike Vrabel? Vrabel, yeah, it was. Oh, rough. he he just looked checked out, just defeated. And honestly, how can you not be after the week on social media? But and the NFL.com report. And real quick, if you are making Marv Jones confront you. And, and he's getting mad. I mean, Marv Jones, isn't he just like the most standout dude in the league? All you hear about is oh, positive dude. vibes from the guy. Great guy. Great locker room guy. People want to be around him. He can score four touchdowns in a game. <laughs> All right. We've reached the point of the show. <laughs> it's time to close it out. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. And I didn't even mention Mike Glennon. If you want to join us, you can go to ballersdfs.com. You can play with us in a contest. Our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. I honestly almost opened up a contest, people. That was literally, I started to write it, it says you have to play Mike Glennon, but it really, there was no way for people to like, for me to police that. I was just like, I wanted that to be the thing that everyone had to construct a roster that has Mike Glennon on it. But, uh, our boy put up 20 points, so, uh, it would have been not too bad, but yeah, if you want to play with us, you go on DraftKings. It's a contest that you can jump in. You and your friends it fills up pretty fast. But go to ballersdfs.com if you would like to play with us. Betsy, why don't you sign us off? Yes, I would be happy to. Hope everyone has an awesome week. We're going to be back on Friday to hopefully have more information for this gross slate. And maybe we'll get Duke Johnson at the Stoneman on DK. We will see you guys on Friday. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.